0: so an asylum seeker on the bibi stockholm has just killed himself the first person to die on the barges which is causing much conversation about kind of the ethics of them and much more to do with the rhetoric of immigration what's kind of happening with that you got UK soon axes off a vote to win vote on the rwanda migrant plan and kind of a scrap to gain some more votes popularity because the tories are absolutely plummeting i mean it they're just it looks like it's going to be a complete wipeout for them. You've got RAF intelligence officers joined Whitehall and Army in spying on COVID lockdown criti- critics, including David Davis and Pete Hitchkins. And we got the UN America with a ceasefire and everything going on with that. And, you know, the deaths, what's going to happen? Is it going to be a ceasefire? Is it going to be some sort of rev- resolution because, we, you know, thousands of people dying. What is going to happen That We're going to be diving into it all. But stay, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by a fellow right winger, someone who have had on the show before, it is Chris. Do you want to give a little introduction about who you are and what you're about?
1: Hello, uh, my second time on the show now, so I'm quite happy to be back on the show. But I'm Chris, I'm chairman and founder of a group called the League of Young British Patriots. I'm a right-wing patriot, um, and I've been involved in politics now for quite, well, about a year now. Um, as an activist defending um, free speech and other type of uh, fundamental human rights, uh, and, and yeah, that's it. I always like to have a chat and, I uh, hope today I can have a bigger chat about the bigger issues in society.
0: Well, amazing to have you here once again and appreciate it as well, because it's been quite difficult actually organising it again and stuff, but really appreciate you being here. So the first story to kick off with is what's happened with the Bibby Stockholm. So coming in from BBC News. So when the seeker on board the BBC Stockholm barge, which houses migrants off Dorset, it has died. So several sources told the BBC that the man who died thought to have taken his own life, so it looks like it's suicide. Dorset police were called to the vessel, d- docked off Portland just after 6.20 on Tuesday, and officers are carrying out inquiries. Downing Street said that, it's, that support continues to be a- made available for those on the barge. The three-story barge docked off Portland houses people awaiting the outcome of their asylum application and has a capacity for 500 men. The death happened in one or more than the f- 200 cabins on board, a source familiar with the incident said. Home Secretary James cleverly told MPs the death would be fully investigated, adding, I'm sure the thoughts of the whole house, like mine, are with those affected. The age and nationality of the man is yet to be confirmed, the coroner said, as the office has been notified. So, what are your thoughts of this? Because we've got a lot of this kind of anti-immigration rhetoric, we've obviously got the barges, we've got Zoella who was sacked recently, and now this has happened... Do you think this is going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of people? What's your kind of take on the actual instance and what's actually going to be like the repercussions of it?
1: Yeah, so I've said it from the beginning. Um, I always knew that the the baby silicone was just something set to just not work. Um, I mean, it's costing the taxpayer, I think, around £200 million a year just to house illegal migrants. Uh, Not legal migrants, illegal migrants on the boat or vessel uh it, it's been found to just not be safe for migrants to go on it's expensive the capacity is only 500 on the actual ship uh and and there's two sides of the arguments there's there's one side where people are going to be like oh you know I understand that he died uh, it's sad uh, maybe we should look at you know the new migration approach to it and my side would be that well you know he's had a place to live he had a warm place to live i'd say quite a safe place to live it's a roof under, uh, over his head he got games room food catering, everything given to that person over there. Uh, and unfortunately, he died. But people need to look at the bigger picture. We have 20,000 veterans on our streets right now, homeless. Uh, they don't have a place to call home. Uh, we have 300,000-plus people right now, British citizens on the street of this country, let down by their own government, let down by their own representatives who they once elected for. Uh, they've been let down by the sovereign power of this of this country. The government have failed the people. And now we're focusing on this small issue. It might be, you know, quite, you know, mm. it's a big issue. I mean, someone did die on one of the biggest government's projects in, you know, God knows how long. But um, but people should be looking at the real big pictures. How many people, which are British citizens, have been let down by their their, their, their government and are now dying in results because they don't have infrastructure or housing or the sufficient needs to, to, to keep going or keep living in a country like ours, which they call their country, but just not have a house for it, or, 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 or a roof above their head. So I feel like it's, it's just I think it's once again the media using this as an opportunity to hate against the government, to attack the government on on a, a policy which they try to to do to stop illegal migration. But I've said it again, and I'll continue saying it: Rwanda, sorry, not Rwanda, uh, the baby home will never work. It's just a failure, and we've just seen it now by this awful case, and it's just going to. Keep
0: getting lost. interesting i mean so what you said there about the issue of homeless veterans and you know housing and like 300 homeless people and stuff that's a good point because i've spoken homeless people and they say they're frustrated and i did a episode on my podcast where you know the guy actually said he finds it frustrating he's been on the streets years and he paid tax for and he can't go tell but then someone who's come over abroad you know they get get a hotel is a fair point good criticism but a lot of the people who push against anti-immigration so like they want people deported they want rwanda are the same people who are against social housing who are against um massive initiatives to stop homelessness um who are against like child tax credit you know loads of things a lot of these people the exact people who result in homeless people so if people posture as in like, oh, isn't it awful, we got homeless veterans, and at the same time they say, oh, we should house them, or people say talk about homelessness, but therefore social housing, so cheaper, more affordable homes built by the government, then fair enough. But I think people contradict themselves. On one hand, you know, immig- like because of immigration or whatever, we, we don't have any houses, but the w- the way we would make more houses and also lower immigration so people could have more affordable homes would be social housing or things, initiatives like that. So, I think there's like how, like, how would you solve the homeless crisis? Um, like in that way,
1: well, I was reading the paper today and it said that, uh, for the seventh continuous um, month now, um, uh, the, the unemployment rate has gone down, and there's more people essentially going in jobs. I think the figure is now about 949,000, which is showing that more people who we have no idea if they're legal or not, but people are working in this country, and that's what we need. The way to solve this crisis is by is by actually starting to provide for the poorest in society. Now, it sounds like a bit of a liberal socialist thing to say. Let's start helping the workers and stuff. But it has really been starting to you know to be a conversation in in today's politics. Uh, people are too busy and too um, you know. Uh, look, they essentially the 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 media never really talks about homeless people. They barely even touch on the issue, even though it's a really big issue. And my way to solve it would a first of all, you talked about migrants coming over and you know helping the economy. And I think you said something along those lines, and you know giving a few jobs and building homes and stuff. But the real issue is is that if we continue letting this inflow of migrants into this country legal or illegal, it doesn't matter. Our NHS, our public services have only been built and readied for a small population, the small population around 60, 70 million or even less, you could argue. So having an influx of people from foreign countries coming over, who may be the smartest people in the world or the most stupid people in the world, it doesn't really matter. Our country just isn't physically ready to take them in. The only way to actually go along with this issue and is start, you know, making it on both sides of the end for the homeless people and for the uh, migrants that are coming over. But good for everyone in total is by essentially removing, um, well, adding legislation to make building homes easier, giving faster planning permissions, which is essentially removing devolved power from local authorities and giving it to the home office or giving it to the, the body that's in charge of building homes. Because what we are seeing now is developers sitting on land right now and waiting for it to become um, profitable. So essentially they're only building homes when it's a profitable incentive. We need to remove that incentive now to make profit from homes by the government heavily subsidizing or just essentially getting contracts from their own sources and boost building homes. Um, and, And once we get a population which has a house or a place to call a roof, uh, and I know some homeless people would say, oh, I don't want to live in a house. I don't want to live in a council flat. Leave me alone. This is the lifestyle I want to choose. Or I was saying, well, I have nothing to do now. There's no point of me going in a house. Uh, so just, you know, they might have severe mental issues. The government just needs to start taking the radical turn of it, the radical turn, which is essentially giving people homes, giving them retraining courses, giving them the opportunity to, you know, gain money again, giving them support. And it might cost a lot in the short term, but then long term, we're going to start having lower unemployment rates or lower overall homelessness rates in the country, which means more people are going to be working. We don't have to spend as much money on benefits because people will start supporting themselves. And and overall, we're going to have a successful economy. Now, the reason why the government aren't doing this right now is because they're too... And all governments really are too interested about what they're going to do in the polls. And of course, helping the homeless isn't a very good um isn't a very good election strategy because you know no one really really people care more about you know how much money am i going to be left with at the end of the month rather than just helping a homeless person down the street so this is the ethos and and ethics and and mentality politics is these days it's not really about helping the smaller people it's really about continuously getting elected and once you've got sufficient housing once you've got sufficient jobs for people then we can start opening the borders and saying right illegal migrants you will get processed legal migrants you'll get processed none of this baby stockholm business or barges i start to get you know always muddled up and all of this conversation about deporting people if you start having a successful system run by successful civil servants and hard-working mps and, and cabinet members we're going to start achieving well but unfortunately like i've just said before this country stuck in this loophole of continuously winning in elections and doing something which is popular with the people which really at the end of the day never really solves society's big issues
0: well well said i think like a lot of what you said about helping the small guy you know even if you're left or right wing can relate to that left wingers would have a different take i guess slightly about immigration but even old school lefties would be probably against the mass immigration as well um and that is a good point about social housing and about you know the s- scale of the population if we have a massively grand population obviously utilities that we use are going to be more sh- more strained by the sheer number of people but in the short term and it's similar to what we spoke about last time last time i checked we had about 120 130,000 nhs vacancies like understaffed um in the short term majority of like british people wouldn't do those jobs we have to rely more and more on other people coming in how would you resolve that, that issue there? Because in in the long term, you, you know, you could be right. You could be, you know, we lower the population, less strain on schools, doctors. But in the short term, how would you solve that crisis? I'm really
1: glad you actually went on that. I, you never told me about this before going on the show, but I'm actually quite happy you went on that because I, I know a bit when it comes to education and, and especially the healthcare industry, I could say. Uh, so I personally know someone who's trained to become a heart surgeon. Um, so in their class, there's only about one or two out of 30, 40 people that will actually successfully get a position in the NHS. Now, if you look at cardiac surgeons uh, with, with job vacancies, gosh, it's huge. You need people, you need urgent messages. I went to a group and they were talking about NHS vacancies. It's not that the British people don't want to become doctors and nurses. If you look at the nursing schools, if you look at all the schools around the UK that, you know, specialise in, in doctor stuff, and I have no idea what they are, but I know there's loads of them, they're one of the best in the world. And people come over here from other, you know, in, uh, other countries and stuff, legal migrants or legal students come over here. And I do agree on you that we do need more people. Uh, we need to outsource these type of skills because, unfortunately, we just don't have the people to do it. But I wouldn't say that's what a universal thing. But I do think that there's quite a large proportion of people who we need to come from external countries to, um, you know, give that uh, that that skill to us. Uh, and there's actually, a, a whole list on the, on the government website about jobs which urgently need um, um, filling. But uh, my way of, of actually going around with it would a um, nursing schools. There's so many people that enter nursing schools or doctor schools. and I'm going to nursing school just for the sake of it. There's let's say 100 people that go to a nursing school, only five of them will get in a position in NHS, and I'm being serious. There's honestly a such low amount of people that spent loads of money on their training, loads of time in their training, and there's only a few of them that actually get selected to go <clears throat> onto the job. The NHS just a couple of days ago there's been a thing that was released about NHS trust overspending loads of money. The NHS isn't underfunded; it's just mismanaged. We need to start giving jobs to people that genuinely want the job. We are stuck with such an unproductive workforce because in the NHS, no one is giving the jobs to the people who desperately want to be nurses, desperately want to be surgeons, desperately want to be doctors and just generally help people. There are the people there in our universities, in our colleges that want to become doctors. But the NHS, for some odd reason, just isn't giving these people the option to, be, to, to, to actually work in these jobs. And of course, there might be cleaners and lower-skilled jobs in the NHS that need filling. There's homeless people out there. I'm sure if you give a homeless person a chance to to work as a cleaner or a chance to work as I don't know a bin collecting person around a hospital, I bet you a hundred pounds right now they will choose to get that job. They will choose to retrain and get into that job, or they'll just choose to take it as an opportunity to grow their wealth and actually do something of their lives. Essentially, the main issue of the NHS is just mismanagement and uh, and and the, and the highly paid managers which are sitting on, you know, £100,000 more of money, uh, are actually unbothered and actually don't want to do anything. Uh, and, and you can research it. There's been so many findings of, you know, NHS managers not doing anything, NHS managers choosing not to investigate cases. What's that case of the baby um, killer um, who just got uh, put in in prison for, for killing babies in the hospital? The managers in charge of her refused to look into her case. I mean, you're, you're being left with now productive workers with an unproductive um, uh, leadership team and unfortunately if the top of the of the food chain is unproductive then everything below that will be unproductive and will not want to work uh, uh, as much as they can do not uh, want to put as much um, of you know their skill into their job and their love into their job so once again just mismanagement of the NHS which is causing loads of issues.
0: Well, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I wouldn't say it is mismanagement because there's also loads of people leaving the NHS. And there's also the reason people are leaving the NHS is one of the key reasons is they're overworked. When you're overworked and underpaid, like let's say you're a private GP or whatever, you can earn way more like in private in Australia, America, or even here. Like there's plenty of private private jobs going but you choose to work in the NHS because of love of the job. Like I know a GP, he could work private earn double the money and better hours, but he simply won't because he, o- he only wants to serve regular people, not like people affluent People can just afford it. So I, I disagree with the notion that kind of it's, there's a productivity crisis in the NHS. I would say it's the inverse is people are so have worked so hard that everyone's leaving because they're so worn out and, when it comes to funding I do agree there's a lot of kind of you know more and more money goes into black hole. not much happens I do agree but the Tories haven't exactly been great within the NHS I mean even during COVID like nurses using bin bags PPE now I'm no fan of masks and stuff like as people know who listen to the show but like when we get into a stage where nurses are using bin bags it during like um you know a kind of crisis like that's not a good sign and I I really don't think it's simply down to mismanagement. It's down to resources. It's down to not not filling enough spaces. Um, and I don't I don't know. I don't think having like homeless v- because a homeless guy can't be a nurse or like yeah sure. There's some admin staff maybe that that could fill, but I wouldn't just go down to mismanagement because like if you were prime minister tomorrow, like, and let's say you did a massive reshuffle of management in the NHS, do you think? it would just change the structure and it would just be with the same funding but just different management, it would be solved with all the vacancies that all like people being burnt out, leaving the NHS, would that be solved just from management reshuffle?
1: Well, if, if the government and if governments decide to reform the NHS correctly, then I do think that it would change. But uh, unfortunately now, like I keep saying, and I, and I do agree with you that there are, you know, issues with GPs. I've I've felt it myself. Um, I think that once again, it's uh, it's, it's the, it's the mismanagement and the missed uh, the missed opportunities of when you prioritise something. Uh, there are successful privatisations, but when they privatised uh, the GPs, what well, part privatisation of the GPs uh, it, it's, it's really just fucked up, uh, really badly. Hence, why we are left now with you know a, a, such a, a large influx of people going to those GPs. The GPs are overfilled now and having to work other jobs because the pay isn't there. And all that kind of stuff there's so many arguments which you give about the nhs and and i do have a bit of sympathy with health ministers because i mean jesus christ the nhs is in the state right now i don't think it's their problem they've entered the job they've got appointed that job most of the time no one wants to take that job because there's so much to do with it uh but i'd say for example with with the ppe problem uh there is the money for it there is once again the money and there's been findings of once again trust and local trust overspending huge amounts of money on unnecessary things you know buying the wrong stuff hiring the wrong amount of people for example diversity workers there's like hundreds of thousands of them now around the nhs all sitting on 45 grand so that's another waste of money uh and, and we can keep going all of the issues for example buying the wrong type of equipment ppe contracts are being given out for companies which are there for profit only mm. sounds a bit socialist but really when you're going to draw the line between having a successful and productive workforce or Productive and, and successful in the sense that they have the correct equipment they need, uh, and, and getting it supplied from a company which is generally wanting to uh, to, to supply good quality uh, healthcare stuff, or would you want a company which is just there for profit only. And, and and unfortunately, what we saw in COVID was they were giving out contracts to companies that were friends of them, and just dishing out money all around the place. So we're dishing out money. We have, you know, a, a workforce which I do agree with you; they might be the best workers in the world. And I don't—I probably was the wrong word to use. Unproductive, because they probably love their job, and they do love their job. That's the whole point of, you know, doing a job. Most of the time, people do it because they generally care about the people they they serve. Uh, and 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 I think it's just that the NHS has been totally mismanaged from the top. Hence, now we're left with huge waiting lists. Uh, no one being able to get GP appointments. Doctors being literally pushed <laughs> to their limits. And, and staff um I think there's a case once of a staff committing suicide because she just had too much and and in all fairness I would believe that and it's very sad but at the end of the day it's the government it's the government and the managers who who, who are the problem and un- until we get a government which does and starts to reform the NHS in the public's uh, in the public's interest which is actually fully reforming and putting the effort and money in changing jobs up and switching it up uh until we reach that day we're not gonna get anywhere with the NHS or society and our and our healthcare would that we should actually take to granted because we know other countries don't have the state of the art healthcare which we all enjoy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well said. I, I do agree with that. Like reform is the way forward. Like people want to dismantle the whole thing. I disagree with that. I think massive reforms needed. It. It's not just more money, it's restructuring, reshuffle, all these people managers who earn hundreds of right. thousands. correctly
1: we need to stop saying we're going to reform that little bit there because what you need to do is a reform from top to bottom we've seen it in history i'm not going to say the name of those leaders but you probably know what i'm talking about they fully reformed the country and we have to admit politically it went well maybe not so morally and ethically (laughs) and the rest of stuff but politically they achieved something and it worked out and we need to start taking that idea maybe not that much of a violent way but we start taking that idea that a, a government is there to serve the people. They, they need to start doing something in the public's interest. I'm sure if you ask 99% of the voters out there what they would like to see from the government, uh, most of them is the NHS and healthcare and sorting it out, and they generally want a reformed NHS, which is there to serve the people and actually do its job. Because, once again, the government don't only care about polling. They don't really care about anything else unless you you know get a, a, a liberal government, which is there really for the people rather than everyone else uh, around them uh and unless you get a government like that which is in the people's uh you know uh viewing in people's minds and actually wants to do something for the better uh like i keep saying we're not going to get anywhere and we need the type of people which will take the time money and effort to change everything not just half of it and leave the rest of another government
0: yeah yeah i completely agree um <clears throat> and and also i forgot to say yeah condenses the person and his family on the like sorry the book maybe stock i'm always messed up um because you know it's very sad and it's also it's also quite grim as well because it's like people like zoella i would say have spread hate and you know someone's taken their own life because of overcrowding um i mean conditions i don't know i mean the conditions aren't terrible but you know being isolated on a ship like that i don't know i d- i don't know too much about the details of the show. i know there's nice things on there but you know nice things don't last forever um it, like it's very sad to see that and I, I hope that there's a unified um sadness about that i hope we haven't got to the place where you know someone takes their own life and people are like oh well i don't know they had a five star bar or whatever um because i think you know the rhetoric does have implications to an extent like even if people doing to tackle mass immigration, how you speak about it has an effect and the treatment of people.
1: I mean, I agree. I agree. And once again, I, I my personal viewpoint would be that this man would have never have killed himself unless he had underlying mental health issues, which should have been sorted out. But once again, he came here uh, spending loads of money on people smugglers, which is only causing more issues in the actual smuggling of people across the channel. So he did the first thing, which was quite bad um well, he not, not definitely
0: he could have potentially came on his own boat we're not sh- i mean how yeah, sure I mean, are, are, are you I mean. supposed
1: how are you supposed to get over the chat i mean let's be honest if you took a poll but there's not actually anything out there about polls about the people that come over but the outright <laughs> majority of people pay people smugglers True. and then get exploited by them when they come into the uk which is quite sad and, and it is a genuine issue and Keir Starmer has talked about it but uh, I'm not a fan of him at all, but he has talked about and talked about the issue of people smugglers and the French have been doing something about it. But once again, if that man decided to, to go for the legal route, uh, I know it's quite it's quite something, it, we're going on the line, we're walking on the line because it's difficult if you're genuinely wanting to come over to the country and, and genuinely wanting to work and actually offer some of your skill to the country, and especially when we have such a fucked up system, as I keep saying, of, of, um, of the Home Office just being totally incompetent uh thank you to all the all the governments in the past not only the, the current Tory government i mean under blair as well he just rammed the borders open and ramming everyone through so he must have caught a bit of stress on, on the home office but uh if he didn't come over with that though if he didn't you know uh, uh in the first place initiate this illegal route into the country we wouldn't be talking about this now and you and you talked about uh um them having uh i don't know okay conditions I'm going to keep putting the interests of the veterans who I have closely worked with. Uh, I think a veteran who's homeless out there, who served their country and their people, uh, who is currently homeless on the streets, especially in winter. I've been receiving loads of letters, and I think I have some here, I don't know, about Crisis, um, the homeless charity and and various other organisations begging me essentially for money. Because there are people, British citizens out there, which are just being ignored. And the bigger picture isn't a you know a large majority of mi- illegal migrants coming over uh, for God knows what reasons. Um, it, it's it's the homeless and homeless veterans and homeless people of this country which we should be taking care first before taking care of others. I mean, it sounds a bit as people call racist these days, but I just think it's in the it's in the it's in the people's. Uh, it, i think in people's interest and it's actually if you vote for uh if you have a sovereign power or sovereign government in your country the least they could do is is actually do something for their people and then focus on other people yeah. i mean we've left the EU, we've we, our borders are restricted now we can do what we want to do with them now so then come on let's start getting something done with it and let's start taking care of our own people it doesn't have to it's, it's not a, it's not a race thing it's not a, a, a an ethnicity thing it's just start taking care of our own people i mean every other country does it why can't we do it I mean, I understand there's people coming over from war or other issues, but we don't know what they're coming from. We don't know who they are. We don't know what skill they possess. And if we let in everyone into the country, well, uh, let's just round it up to 750,000, which was the net migration policy. If we if we let everyone come into the country, we're gonna make workers in this country get uh, get per- uh, at a disadvantage because their own jobs will be now, you know, cheaper to source because there'd be this influx of people coming into the country. And, and 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 with what we are thinking about, you know, ramming people in this country that they're all gonna work at every single one of those open vacancies, which just isn't the case. So we're gonna have a surplus of people and jobs now, it's gonna be chaos. So just close the borders for the temp for, 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 for a temporary uh, period now, sort out the current migrants we have into this country and ensuring that they actually are taken care of and are and are, you know, correctly put into uh, this country and, and successfully you know um, what is it called transition them to Entry, society yeah. and yeah we'll sort them out yeah and and then also prioritize the british people but of course behind that you've got to build homes and it's all a load of mess so let's just thank all the incompetent governments of the 21st century for making the united kingdom into an absolute shithole <laughs> but it's 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 really them i mean it's true I mean, it's true. I mean, the only successful people out there are people like you and and, and me and, and, and people who actually trying and expose the government's failures. Uh, and without us, really, I mean, get, where would this country go? I mean, people are going to keep voting for the mainstream political parties and they're going to keep the, the parties are going to keep doing the same thing as they've been doing for the past 20, 30 years, which is achieving nothing and always saying to people, oh, we've put 10 billion pounds in blah, 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 Oh, blah, blah, blah and they keep saying that people are going to be like oh my gosh yay and then we're going to keep going around and around in a circle of doom and absolute misery yeah
0: i i really agree with what you're saying there and my view has like always been an isolationist but i'm definitely more so the case and what you said about putting not in a obviously racist way but british people first and i'm someone who's actually pro-immigration but i agree with the fact that like it's, it's ludicrous when we have thousands of Homeless veterans, whatever. But the priorities are so flipped, and people haven't addressed them. And then why is it that other countries there's kind of a national pride, but in the UK you come here and you're a bit prideful of being British, and it's all like, oh, you're just a complete far right lunatic. um Like it, it's it's ridiculous. If you go to places around Europe, I mean, there's there's arguments that there's way more extreme politics around Europe. I agree with that. If you go to you know Poland, Hungary um germany yeah yeah, i mean yeah kind of germany or like norway or like you know there's loads of country denmark um you you know there are what people way more extreme but in the uk we're far more moderate but even the little things we have we're always like oh shit and only now we're starting to see a lot more kind of patriotic nationalist rhetoric you know some that is ugly i would say but like i think that it's a rebellion to such disdain for any of it you know when people are told like just saying I'm proud to be British is like inherently racist or something what what do you think gonna happen like when people are asked starts to be proud of being British and you go to other countries you go to France you go to Italy they're proud to be Italian they're proud to be French Then you come here oh no you can't say that you can't say this it's it's absolutely ludicrous Um, so speaking of the next story so RA, RAF intelligence officers joined Whitehall and Army in spying on Covid lockdown critics including David Davis and Peter Hitchens so RAF Royal Air Force intelligence Officers joined a shadowy Whitehall operation accused of spying members of the public who criticised COVID lockdown policies. Office military documents stained by this newspaper, the Daily Mail, showed that the analyst from RAF Winston in Cambridgeshire helped to scale social media posts by the public. The MOS revealed in January how the Army's Secret Information welfare Warfare Brigade was tasked with scrutinising online posters an Active military ministry of defense in public repeatedly denied doing so. Um, and they target people like Pete Hitchkin. Sorry, Peter, how, how do I know? I yeah, Peter Hitchkins. I don't know how I'm messing that up. Um, and these white outfits were tasked with tackling disinformation and harmful narratives during the pa- pandemic. Their activities have faced fierce criticism after it emerged. They also collected legitimate social media posts questioning government lockdown policies. So here we have once again an absolutely dystopian reality about the government, well, government entities spying on the population. We had the government spying on Julie harley Brewer during lockdown, and here we have this once again. And with all the COVID inquiry stuff coming out, the, the fact that the questions aren't being asked about, you know, secret units, Nudge, um dis- dissenting scientists being defamed, like Sinetra Gupta, Karl- Professor Carl Hannigan, Jed Bashara, all these people. The fact that we're spending 750000 a day on the COVID inquiry and they're not addressing any of the serious questions is absolutely nuts. And when I see a story like this, it's got to the point where it's not even shocking. Like, you know, there were intelligent officers at the RAF <coughs> and army spying on COVID lockdown critics. That doesn't surprise me anymore. That's how far we've gone as a society where, like, like literal massive entities spying on its own citizens is, like, standard stuff. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, I think it's disgusting that uh, the government um, used our armed forces to spy on the people which they are supposed to serve. So there's two things that's quite weird about this. A, I think it's totally against the freedom of the people and freedom of expression, which once again uh, at the beginning I said is our one of our human rights. You know, to, to freedom to privacy and freedom to expression. Uh, so and also freedom to you know to feel safe. Uh, so not only other people not that feel safe, especially in quite a time of terror. And I agree that this information is, is a bad thing. You know, people can get misled. And especially in the 21st century, there's been loads of, you know, disinformation and, and all this weird stuff about, you know, aliens and stuff. And people have lost trust in the government. But just this story, just, you know, there's there, there's been no light or shadow or anything, you know, brought towards this story. There's been nothing. And that just shows the media these days, which I think also has done, you know, will play a big role in actually this uh, by not really showing it. But thank you, The Daily Mail, to for talking about this. But, but really, um, it says that the government said online disinformation is a serious threat which is why in the pandemic we brought together expertise from across government to monitor disinformation about COVID. So they so in, in the middle of one of the biggest crises that the UK has faced in, in what almost 100 years. They decided to, to use the armed forces as spying citizens uh, because some of them might have talked about or had rumours. Well, the, the government using uh, our armed forces and especially... Uh, a group of the armed forces which are you know intelligence officers which their role is really on on you know uh, uh investigating terrorist terrorist activities stuff which is actually uh, in in the public's interest in the sense that it's it, they're, they're supposed to keep the public safe from external and democratic or sorry not democratic domestic issues but then if they're starting to use their skills and their knowledge and their power to to Investigate people for just talking about a different side of the argument seems very dystopian, very authoritarian, and very anti democratic to me. And that is, once again, I looked at the story and I wasn't really surprised, which just shows to us that it's not the first time that we had this. There's been loads of stories about the government, you know, the, doing stuff, especially media sources, looking to people's information. And I think, unfortunately, this is the sad reality of today's world. This is how stuff is going to operate and with legislation, at the, you know, the online safety bill, which people might have their opinions on, but really the online safety bill is there to look more at what you're doing and block your restrictions and, and access to your apps. Unless we want to turn into China or North Korea and Russia, where essentially everything but publicly state-owned media is allowed, then we need to start acting on this and saying, well, enough is enough. Let me speak what I want to speak. Unless it's a hate crime, uh, then, then let me say what I want to say. You know, we live in a free country. There's free press. There's freedom of expression and 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 freedom of uh, freedom of, of everything, really. So just just <laughs> let me speak. Let me say what I want to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good point. I think like the the normalization of dystopian realities for everything from like speech being censored to banks to socially like it like it's so it's so standard. You hear someone they lost friends or they'd lost their bank or they got got kicked off social media. or They got banned from the school, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not even an outrageous thing to hear anymore. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's bad. It's it's like the the normalization of insanity is what we're living through. And the fact that, as you said, during, you know, a crisis, we have the government focusing on spying secret units nudging is just complete madness and i'm sorry to cut this this episode quite short um just because i do i do have to go unfortunately Um, but thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it where can people check you out catch your work anything
1: uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, I would have hoped to talk about it a bit more, but it's fair enough. I understand I've been having um, difficulties with the Wi-Fi and connection because of a storm, which is unfortunate. But once again, I mean, it's always good to have a talk. It's always good to have a chat. And un- unfortunately, what we're seeing now is once again, this this mood or this this belief in society that it's okay to, to silence the other side of the argument, it's, it's okay to silence the other side of, uh, of, of, of of the spectrum, really, when it comes to politics. But we need to start getting out of this belief, because, once again, we would, we would have never have achieved what we have achieved now if it wasn't for people speaking, giving ideas. And what I want to end it on is is Darwin once said, uh, something very controversial about human evolution and, and you know, species uh, evolving and stuff. And, and he got loads of hate for that. But if it wasn't for his viewpoint or belief, then we would have never have achieved or we wouldn't have achieved as much as we have achieved now when it comes to human species and, and evolution. So by people saying something which may seem extremely uh, wrong and, you know, as they would say, very anti-religious and something disgusting like that, then, you know, we would have achieved nothing. So we need to start embracing freedom of speech, when you start embracing the other side of the argument, even if it's something controversial, if you're in a safe space having a conversation about it, then I don't see what's wrong with it. I mean, once again, we've seen stories of universities, you know, shutting down the other side of the argument, stopping speakers coming into school from both sides of the of the spectrum because they're scared of, you know, this happening or children getting indoctrinated. It, it's wrong. You know, we live in a free society. Let's have vision and let's move on. and until that uh we're not going to achieve anything and we're not going to get anywhere in society but i had to thank you again for having me on your show and it was quite funny how we just stumbled across each other in the <laughs> middle of london on a random tuesday i think it was a wednesday yeah uh, whilst you're doing your stuff
0: chance of that yeah it's crazy and that's such a brilliant point i think about feeling uncomfortable like we need to get back to uncomfortable freedom of speech conversations you know uncomfortable tension uncomfortable arguments that's that's what it's about it's not like you you know like i have my boss family says you know i'm different i believe we can have a big conversation but i don't want to murder you at the end of it or think you're satan like we need to get back to that you can have disagreement you can get angry You can get frustrated but you can have that debate flesh out ideas that's what it's about feeling uncomfortable and as you said with darwin you're not really making change if no one's pushing back against it. You're not changing anything, are you? Someone has to push back and get angry. And we're in a time where, you know, you, you're on one side of the political spectrum. You say certain things that can mean your bank, your, your job, your friends, a lot of different things, which is horrifying, but it shows how much change you're making and how much you are pushing back because people on the other side, not to be too tribal, like this side, that side, but certain sides, you do some things. You don't need to be scared of your bank. You don't only be scared of ostracization. you may be a few little things, but nowhere near the extent of some things. So like if you're standing up talking about like you know certain pharmaceutical products or whatever it is, like you will feel the wrath of it because you are breaking into change. But if you're just going along with a common narrative, like no one's going to push back on you, and it'll be minimal at best. Um, and that's a great point. and thank you so much for coming on again. really appreciate it. Um, and I'll link to your social media below
1: it's uh, at C Cousins zero or if you'd like to check out my organization organization's <laughs> website it's www.leagueofybp.org uh, we don't take ad revenue so don't be worried that we're going to steal your information instead of China <laughs> we don't do that kind of stuff Jane. but uh, thank you again
0: brilliant brilliant thanks so much for coming on and next week ladies we have the biggest guest I've had on so far so Keep your eyes peeled for that. It's a good one, and I love all you. And I'll see you next Thursday. It's got biggest episode yet. I'm very excited for it. Like, yeah, keep your ears and eyes open. Yeah, it's a me.
1: Goodbye.